0: Thanks for checking out the Oasis Church podcast from Camden, Arkansas. Each week we share the message from our Sunday worship service. Join us anytime. More information at CamdenOasisChurch.com. Several years ago, my wife, who is absolutely brilliant, uh, she came up with this wonderful idea around Christmas time. She said, look, man, our boys are spoiled rotten. They have every toy that they could imagine. It's Christmas time, and, and I don't know if I just really want to go out and spend all this money on toys just for us to, to to throw them away in three months, six months, whenever they get broken. She said, what do you think about us taking a Christmas vacation? I'm like, Psh, if I don't have to build it and put batteries in it, like sign me up. Like I will drive anywhere and everywhere if I don't have to do that. Well, that's what we did. We went and talked to the boys, and they were like, no, you, we made it clear how you still get toys. Like don't think it's all going to get cut off. Uh, But you also get a trip. We also baited them with the first trip being towards snow, which was a big win for us. Uh, So we set out to go to Granby, Colorado. Now, some of you are like, where in the world is Granby, Colorado? Well, it's up on the screen. We were living in Waxahachie at the time, and it's 13 hours of driving Like 12 hours and 30 minutes of that is just to get through the great state of Texas. It takes forever. It was Christmas Day. We had kind of finally, we had a Christmas service um, at Farley Street. We had finished up. We went home, jumped in the key of Sorrento, had that bad boy loaded down with all the clothes and packings that you can imagine. And we took off on Christmas Day. Now, let me give you a little bit of a warning here. If this sounds like a good idea, it's a great idea. But just know there is nothing open on Christmas Day. Nothing. Man, we set out, we started getting hungry, and we're like where are we fixing to eat? Gas stations hadn't really opened up just yet. They had the debit card where you could do gas outside, but there's no food. Man, they didn't start opening up till like eight and nine o'clock at night. So luckily we ate all the kids snacks, but we pressed on. We weren't 20 minutes outside of Waxahachie and Tucker was like, dad, are we there yet? And I'm like, look, boy, let me tell you something. When it's dark time, we're still going to be in Texas. More than likely, when you wake up in the morning time, we're probably still going to be in Texas. Don't get hopeful about it. Well, man, we drove and drove and drove. We finally made it out of Texas on day one. Day two, man, we kind of opened up to this whole new territory that we were going through. And uh, we were getting in Colorado. and we, Man, we were doing good time. We had found somebody in front of us that was tooling along about 75, 80. Maybe 85, it was good, like we had a good relationship going. Man, we were knocking it off. And then all of a sudden, my wife looks at me, and she says these words, uh-oh. Now, in that moment, I didn't know exactly what was happening, so I looked at her, I said, uh-uh, uh, what, do you, what do you mean, uh-oh? What, what, what does uh-oh mean? And she showed me on her phone, we're keeping up with Apple Maps, and there was a solid red line on the interstate where we were at. And she said, look. It just goes and goes and goes and goes. Like She said, I think there was a wreck, and now all this traffic has at a standstill. She said, but I think if we take this exit right here, I think I can get us around to being in front of it. Men. Can we talk for a moment, just a moment? Now listen to me. I love my wife. I trust my wife. I trust my wife with my life. I trust my wife with my kids. I trust my wife to make the right decision for everybody here today. That's just how much I trust her. I trust her with everything, almost everything. I was thinking about this message and this opening illustration. We were sitting on the couch the other day, and I'm like, babe, I wanted to make sure I had this right. I I didn't want to misspeak by any means. So we were sitting on the couch, and I was typing this out to make sure that I have all the facts right. I'm like, babe, hey, tell me which way is north. We were sitting on the couch. Now, I'm not going to tell you what direction she pointed to, but listen to me today. It wasn't north. So when she comes and says, hey, I think if we take this exit, I think I can get us all the way around. Do you understand the weight and the feeling that I'm feeling in this moment? Like I look at this, I have a decision to make. What what happens if we do take this exit? We drive two hours in the wrong state. We end up in Nebraska. Or what happens if the, the, the traffic's all cleared up? What happens if we were to get there? Apple takes a little bit longer to kind of progress and we get there the traffic's already flowing and we just roll right on through man these are the things that i'm struggling with so as any good man would do um i made the decision based on how to keep peace inside the marriage so i took the exit now i need you to know if you think that your pastor is glorified oh he's the best thing in the world listen to me i'm not i talk trash the entire way we were driving you hear me? Oh man, it started off good. We were still at a four lane. We were kind of took the exit and merged. I'm like, okay, this ain't gonna be bad. But then we took a right and we're going south when we were supposed to be going another direction. And then all of a sudden I'm like, huh, take the exit, Billy. And that's what I just start telling her the whole time. We go from that road, and now we're getting onto a dirt road. we got to go lock it in four-wheel drive. We're crossing creeks and mountains. And she's like, listen, it's going to work. And I'm like, oh, take the exit, Billy. Like, where where are we going? Like, we're two hours outside of the way. And if I wasn't talking trash, I was doing the next godly thing, as I was thinking the whole time. I bet if I'd have stayed on that road, traffic would have cleared up. We'd have been a whole lot better off, like we had already been in Granby, Colorado. But no, Billy, let's take the exit. It can get us away. I knew I shouldn't have done this. Well, like seven hours later, it was like probably like 40 minutes, she says, hey, look, this is crazy, but I think we're coming back around onto the interstate. In that moment, I'm like, if I get there and that traffic is free-flowing and there ain't a standstill, our marriage vows are fixing to be tested. And the whole time, Lord, help me with my talk. Help me with my grace. Like, help me keep my mind right on this. So we're getting closer and I kind of, kind of see where it's going to bend at. And we get there, people. Let me tell you something. I saw the most glorious sight in the entire world. Stand still traffic backed up for miles. And the only thing I thought was, woo, I'm a genius. I took the exit. And I said that out loud, and I probably shouldn't have said that out loud, because I happened to just kind of catch a glance at my wife. And let me tell you something. If looks could kill, Billy Sheets would be a dead man. After we verbally kind of argued back and forth on this, I'm like, but I took the exit. You gave the idea. We went back and forth on it. A little bit further down the road, we kind of started talking about this all this traffic, man, we got right up ahead in front of all the traffic and got the tool alone. and then we started asking the question, why in the world, if other people could, were looking at their phone and they saw the red kind of standstill traffic, why in the world would they choose to go and sit and stay in traffic? Well, why didn't they decide to take an alternate route that was going to lead them to a much better, faster destination kind of pace and speed? Like, Why in the world would you choose to do that? And as I started looking at this message of Psalms chapter 1 verses 1 through 6, man, this is all I could think about. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and join me there. Psalms chapter 1. More than likely, if you've never read the book of Psalms, you can just kind of open up the middle of your Bible and you're going to land right in the book of Psalms. Um, We're going to spend the next four weeks walking through this this incredible chapter and the blessed life. And again, let me just encourage you, if you're not in the habit of reading through the book of Psalms, if you're not in the habit of reading the Bible, period, let me just encourage you to camp out in Psalms chapter 1 for the next few weeks. Most of the songs, Psalms, if I was to give you a little bit of background information, most of them were written by a guy by the name of King David, but not all of them. Some were written by his choir leaders, and most of the names are at the top of the, the, the Psalm that you are reading. read, kind of who wrote it, who authored it. Some of them were written by Moses. Others were written by King Solomon. Uh, others, we're not exactly even sure who wrote um, the, the Psalm, the book of Psalms was put together by the Hebrews to help you and I understand um, what, what, God, what, what they had went through and how they got out. Now here's one of the things that probably not a lot of you know or see or recognize, but I wanted to share this with you. The book of Psalms is really five different books combined together. It's one book, but it kind of encompasses all five. And here's what I love about this. Uh, your first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, uh, the first five books of Psalms, as you kind of go through these, kind of go back. They have the same theme. So here's what I want you to know. If you're writing these down, you can, you can come back and look at the first book of Psalms. It starts in verse 1, chapter 1, obviously, and it goes to Psalms 41. And it echoes the theme of the book of Genesis. It's an introduction of human life and the revelation of the needs of the human heart. Uh, the book, second book of Psalms is chapter 42 through 72. This book ties in very closely with the book of Exodus. It's the book of redemption, the story of God moving in human history to change and redeem his people and to save them from the self. The third book of Psalms begins in chapter 73 and it goes to Psalms 89. It kind of goes along with the book of Leviticus. The fourth book begins in chapter 90 to Psalms 106, which ties in very closely with the book of Numbers and the wilderness wanderings and the testing and failure. The fifth book, the last book, is chapters 107 to 150, and it ties in with the book of Deuteronomy. I said all that just because I want you to think that I'm smart here this morning. It really plays no context into our message today, but I just thought, like, Billy, put that out there. Build yourself up a little bit. If you have your Bibles, Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, I want you to follow along. If you didn't bring your Bibles, the words are going to be up on the screen. We've already read it. We've sang part of it, but I want you to hear it one more time. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night he's like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all he does he prospers the wicked are not so it's like chaff that the wind drives away therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteousness. Last verse. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Fantastic passage of Scripture. Next four weeks, this is where we are going to be at the the Psalms chapter 1. It shows us really a fundamental teaching that's found all throughout all of Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, God teaches his people that, that the choices you make, not only do they determine the direction of your life, but they also Determine the outcome of your life. Listen to what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. You don't have to turn there. It's going to be up on the screen. It says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have, listen to this, set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, here it comes, choose life that you and your offspring May live in the New Testament. Jesus echoes the exact same thing in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And that's why Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 is so important, especially the wording, the language that David uses here. Did you notice how he opened up? He says, blessed is the life. It's a phrase that, that's used to grab your attention. David wants us to see the opportunity that's in front of us. So he begins to paint us this picture that there are two paths in life. Listen to me today. There's the path of the wicked, and then there's the path of the righteous. There's a path that leads to a blessed life, and then there's a path that leads to brokenness and difficulties. Church family, can I ask you today, which one of those paths sound much more interesting? Which one of those paths, if you could choose here today, said, which one would you choose? Would you choose the life that leads to a blessed life, or would you choose a path that leads to broken and difficulties? Man, I don't think there's a soul in here that would want to choose the other. Can I tell you what I've learned? I've never met a man who intentionally wakes up every day thinking, how in the world can I run my life today? I've never met a woman that wakes up and says, you know what, I want to make all the wrong choices today to bring death, harm, and destruction into my life. You can go to school in elementary school. You'll never meet a child that wants to one day grow up and be a failure. All of us want this, do we not? We all want the blessed life. And that's why today's text is so important. And here's what's crazy about all of this. I believe that we would all say and agree here that we want a life that's blessed. Do we not? But in our actions, and more so in our everyday choices, we oftentimes choose a path that takes us to a lesser life. Am I wrong? And we want the blessed life. But in our everyday choices, man, we choose just the opposite. Church, I want you to hear me today. Contrary to what some people think and say, God is not a being who loves, who delights, who enjoys when his people are miserable. Will you hear me today? God does not delight in that. He's not happy when you are miserable. I want you to know this. God wants you to be happy, but he wants you to be happy his way. And that's why Psalm chapter 1 is so important. I want us to look at the first verse. We're not even going to make it all the way through it. The Bible says this, blessed is the man who walks, listen to this word, not in the the counsel of the wicked. Now, a lot of times when we see wicked, we think, oh, this is murderers. This is killers. This is all the extremes. But can I tell you, it just means the ungodly. That's it. Don't jump to the far end of it. This is just the ungodly. There's godly, and then there's Ungodly, he says, "Don't, don't, don't sit. Don't, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers." We're going to expound on much more of this verse in the next few weeks, but I just want to draw your attention to just one thought today. David is showing us the importance. Listen to me of the counsel we keep, the circle we run with, the tribe that we hang with. Listen to me. This is your friends, who you do life with. All throughout your life, you can take note of this, there are going to be two different types of people in your life. There are going to be people who who constantly want to spur you on in your relationship with Jesus Christ. They want you to be better. They want you to push you to him. They want to make sure that you're reading and studying the word of God. They want to make sure that you are growing in your, your, your relationship, your walk with Jesus Christ. That's one group of people. But there's another group of people, and they don't care about any of that. They're not concerned about your walk with Christ. They're not concerned about your relationship with him. They could give a rip if you're at church on Sunday morning. They care nothing about it. Two completely different people. And this is where the rub really comes in for us today because I want to believe that if you are sitting here this morning, on this Sunday morning, listen to me, I have to believe that, hey, man, you want to be better, that you have the desire. You're trying to become the person Christ has created you to be. Man, that's why we're here. You're trying to do better, be better, and live better. That's why you're here. So the struggle is this. You can't become the person that Christ wants you to be while staying the exact same. Does that make sense here this morning? I want to make sure we get that. So we come here on Sunday mornings. We have the desire, the hope, the wish, saying, I want to live a better life. I want to be better. I want the blessed life. But that blessed life does not come by you and I staying the exact same Mondays and Tuesday, weekend, week out, month after month, year after year. The blessed life comes when you and I, we have to make some changes. You you and I are going to have to start living different, being different, acting different, and talking different. And when this starts to happen, when you start to chase the blessed life, here's what's going to happen. That circle, the people that you hang out with, a lot of them, they are not going to like the changes that are taking place. Simply because, listen... They don't understand what you're doing. man. Can I tell you something, believer? You, you need to write this verse down. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. I'm going to say that again just so you can hear that. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So listen to me. They they can't see it. They don't understand it. They can't comprehend it. Why in the world are you going to church? Why are you starting to live different? Why are you changing? These people, they're going to start to see you becoming the person you were meant to be. Man, your values are starting to change. You don't do the shady stuff you used to do. Your actions are changing. Your life is changing. And all of this is for the better. And there are a lot of people that when this starts to happen, when this takes place, that circle and they're not going to understand it. Matter of fact, if I could say this word, I think they're going to begin to feel threatened. I want to show you this play out in Scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. It's in the Old Testament. Israel's first king was a guy by the name of Saul who stood head and shoulders above everyone else. He did some amazing things for, for the people of Israel. But over time, he started to drift away from God. And now, all of a sudden, in this moment, in this setting, he is no longer following the wisdom and the counsel of God. Do you hear me? He's not paying attention to God. He's not listening to God. He's not getting advice or wisdom from any of that. Instead, this man is following and listening to other people. Again, this is Psalms 1 playing out for us in real life. So because he's listening to the advice, the counsel, and the preference of others, he starts to do all the wrong things to make himself a little more popular. And because of this one decision, he loses his ability to lead the people of Israel because he isn't listening to or focusing on God anymore. And God one day comes and says probably, I think, some of the most harshest words that have been ever spoken. He says, I can't use him anymore. I can't depend on him. He never obeys me, and he never listens to me. L- listen to what the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. God's done with with, with, with um He's done with Saul, listen what the Bible it says. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? I love this, fill your horn with oil, and go, I'll send you to Jess the Bethlehem, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. So Samuel, this prophet, he goes with this ram's horn full of anointing oil. The cool thing about this, just to give you a little bit of information, if a prophet was ever to come and, and he was told to pour this over you, in that moment you would never be the same again. You were anointed. It was a sign that at this point forward you were going to be different. Listen to me. You were set apart. God's power was going to be with you. And this is where we meet a young boy named David. You can kind of go back and read some of the story, but one of the interesting things in 1 Samuel chapter 17 records the story where, uh, where David was sent out by his dad to go check on his older brothers, right? You remember the story? I'm not going to give a lot of details here, but I do want to draw our attention to one thing. That dad, David's dad said, hey, go check on my boys. They're, they're having this war right now between the Philistines and, and, and the Israelites, and so he goes, and there's this big valley in between. On this side over here, you have the Israelites, and on this side over here, you have the Philistines, and what happened was there was this Goliath, and morning, every morning and every afternoon for 40 days, this Goliath would come out, and he would start to taunt the children of Israel every day. He'd come out, and what he would say was, hey, send me the guy. Send me somebody else so we can fight, and here's what's so interesting. Do you know who he was asking for? He's asking for David, even though David's not David. It's Saul. He's asking for Saul, and even though Saul's still the king, he was still a warrior. And Saul, the king, even though he was anointed, he should have went out and fought Goliath. He had the same power, the same anointing was on his life as it is David. But instead, oh, listen to me, church, he made the decision. He chose to. I'm not doing it. Saul wasn't right with the Lord, and he missed out on 80 opportunities to go and fight the giant. And I'm kind of curious this morning, how many opportunities have we missed? How many opportunities have you missed because you and I, we're not right with the Lord? We're we're not following him. We're not listening to him. We're listening to everybody else, but we're not listening to him. And so because of that, we've missed out on opportunity after opportunity. if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. Many of us are missing out on God's mission and God's blessing and God's best for our lives simply because we're listening to the preference of another. We're missing out on so much in life because we're listening out on what somebody else thinks or what somebody else says. Hey, listen, can I talk at you for just a moment? Don't you dare think that this has something to do with other people, but this can be us. I mean, I don't know about you, but there are a lot of times I listen to the preference and the desires and the wishes of Billy. And so because of that, it causes me to miss out on a lot of God's blessing and God's purpose and God's mission in life because I only want to listen to what I think and what I want in my preferences. There are a lot of us, a lot of us here today, man, we have missed out on God's best because we listen to the preference of what I want, but we listen to what everybody else thinks and says, and we don't pay no regard or no attention to the things that God wants for our life. And because of this, we miss out on opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to make a difference in somebody else's life, to make a difference for the kingdom of heaven, all based off the preference of another. So here's what happens in our story. David comes, he shows up, and he hears this Goliath. He comes out, and he taunts the children of Israel. And David says, hey, look, I'm not having any of that business. You know the story. He goes, gets the sling and the stone. He comes, and he slings it, knocks the. Glides out, he falls down, takes his sword, goes, chops his head off. It's a man's Bible study, like there's bloodshed. It's a good thing. And then all of a sudden, the Israelites, all of a sudden, they have this little big boast of energy of confidence. Man, they charge in the battle. The Philistines, who were the top dog for the longest time, all of a sudden they're panicked. Their their warrior is gone. Man, they take off running, and all of a sudden, this big war ensues. Israelites slay so many of the Philistines. Listen to me. In this moment, our boy David. Oh, man, he's a hero, is he not? I, I, I mean, everybody should be excited like, whoo! This is what the Bible says in 1 Samuel eighteen six. And when coming home, when David returned, striking down the Philistine, the women, women, they always come out. They're all about their boy. They come out, the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul, When the tambourines with songs of joy and with musical instruments, and the women sang... To one another, as they celebrate, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was, listen to this, very angry. The saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousand, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? When I hear this, I'm like, dude, why are you mad? Why are you so upset with him? He saved your own life. Not only did he save your own life, but he saved the life of your three boys. Not only that, but he saved the lives of the entire army. There was fixed to be bloodshed over all the Israelites. This one decision saved everybody. When you start to become the person God created you to be, when you start to step into the fullness that God has for you, when you start stepping into the blessed life, just like David is when this happens, It threatens some people. I don't remember what pastor said it. I wish I could give him credibility to it, but I don't remember. But he said this, and I wrote this down because I thought this was so good. Uh, People, they, they really don't hate you. They hate themselves because you're a reflection of what they wish they could be. Let me say that again just so you can hear that. People, they don't really hate you. They hate themselves because you're a reflection of what they wish they could be. Listen to me today. Some people, man, they like you different. There, there are people, they like it when you're unsuccessful. They like it when you don't have it all together. They like it when your life is falling apart. I debated all day if I was going to say this one thing right here. I don't know if I should or shouldn't, but I think I'm going to go ahead and say it. Emmanuel Baptist Church, for a long time, um, was not, wasn't growing, right? Decline, talked about closing the doors. Did you notice how nobody in the community was saying hardly anything about Emmanuel? But here's what I noticed. Whenever you made the decision to change and move into Oasis and God starts blessing his church and we start kind of getting back on our feet and we start taking the right steps in the right direction, do you realize how many churches were talking about you? As long as you weren't doing good, as long as you were unsuccessful, as long as things weren't going the right direction, Nobody said anything. We like that. But the moment that God starts to bless, and all of a sudden, life comes back. It's amazing to me how quick people start to do a lot of talking. You know why? Because I think people see this and like, man, that's what I wish we could do. Will you hear me? Pe- people aren't threatened by you. They see you, and they just like, I wish I could be that way. And I think that's a lot of what happens here. The people, they just like us different. Well, this story goes on, and it goes from good to bad to worse. It got so bad here that David, man, he had to break his ties with King Saul. If you kind of want to read the story, King Saul becomes so jealous of him that on numerous different occasions, man... As king Saul was trying to kill David. He would come and he would hurl spears at him several different times. He tried to put him on the front lines of the battle, hoping and praying that he'd get killed. There were other times that Saul had his own men to try to kill David. Man, he was doing everything he could. And David comes to this place in this moment, to this realization that he has no choice but to leave the king. And this devastated him. Man, he was broken. This is where his family was. This is where his home was. David had friends here. But he had to walk away. And here's what I want to share with you this morning. If there ever comes a time in your life where you have to pull away from a friendship or a relationship for whatever reason, it's not good, it's not building, it's not edifying, I want you to know three things that's going to happen when you do this. The first one is this. There is no relationship on this earth that can be more important than your relationship with God. You hear me? There is no relationship that you can have that's more important than your relationship with Christ. Hey, listen, I'm talking about a husband and a wife here today. In that relationship and both of your lives, Christ has to be supreme and raised supreme. Hey, when it comes to your kids, you have to love Christ more than you love your kids. There is no relationship that ever should ever come before Christ. One of the best things you can do for your family, for your home, for your community is to love Christ first and foremost and never let there be a competition between the two. In any relationship, Christ has to be first. This is the best course for your life. When he is first, he will make you a better man, he will make you a better woman, he'll, he'll make you a better son, and he'll make you a better daughter. Christ has to be first. The second thing that I want you to know is this. Whenever you get ready to break it off with somebody, hey, know this. Man, they're going to be upset. They're going to be mad. Hey, again, we looked at 2 Corinthians, and a lot of people, they can't understand it, and they can't comprehend it. They take it as a personal attack against them, but it's not. They just can't wrap their mind around it. So when this happens, you better believe that they're going to get upset. And they don't understand it. They're going to take it a little bit personal. But listen to me. The very best thing that you can do for your friends is to follow the Lord. The best thing that you can do is to always put Jesus first. And the third thing that I want you to know is this. And this is probably the hardest one. Sometimes people use misplaced, misguided loyalties to keep them from making tough decisions. Sometimes. People use misplaced, misguided loyalties to keep them from making tough decisions. In our story of David and Saul, Saul has a son named Jonathan. You've probably heard of him a couple of different times. Jonathan is an outstanding human being, classy guy, probably one of the best people you'll ever meet. Matter of fact, when David killed Goliath, Jonathan and David, in that moment, they became best friends. Listen to what the Bible says. In 1 Samuel 18, 1, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to David, to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And these dudes became BFFs, best friend forever. And Jonathan is watching all of this stuff play out between David and King Saul. And he sees this and he says, look, I want to help you. So he starts coming and he gives him some bows, he gives him some swords, he gives him some weapons. But as time passes, Saul is continually getting worse. And David comes to the point of realizing that, look, I can't stay here anymore. I can't do this anymore. So David in this moment is getting ready to leave the the, the place, the town that he loves so much. But not only that, he's getting ready to leave Jonathan, his brother that he loves so much. And they come, they weep together, and they say their goodbye. You know what the saddest part of this entire story is? There shouldn't have to been a goodbye. There was no reason for it. Jonathan very well could have went with David and said, Look, man, I love you. I'm here for you. I'm going with you. Jonathan could have went to his dad and said, Look, man, what you're doing is not right. This is wrong on any level that you're looking at and I can't be a part of it and I'm not going to be here anymore. I don't know why he stayed, whether it was loyalty or duty or whatever it might have been, but Jonathan stayed. His dad got worse and worse. Saul became so crazy that he started going to witches to figure out how to lead the people of Israel. This morning, if you thought this message was about the life of David, even the life about Goliath, Maybe even Saul. And you've missed the point of this morning's message. Because here's why. The saddest verse in all of the day. 1 Samuel 31:1. Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel. And the men of Israel fled before the Philistines, and they fell slain on Mount Gilboa, And the Philistines. Overtook Saul and his sons the Philistines struck down Jonathan this Jonathan man he's a good guy outstanding individual but he lost his life because he couldn't say no a relationship it was the counsel. And that's why what David says in Psalms 1 is so important, church. Listen to it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel, not in the advice or the wisdom of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scholars. Everything in your life is a reflection of a choice you have made. And if you want different results, then you have to make different choices. And that's what's put in front of you here today. It's a choice. I want you to hear me. The blessed life begins when you start to make the right choices with the right counsel. And don't ever under, don't, don't don't miss this. The right path, the blessed life is directly related to the right people. And I realize today that we're all different seasons and stages of life. And we've got college kids and we've got senior adults here. And everything in between and i'm not exactly sure how this morning might be settling with you here today but here's what i do know i believe with all my heart that god is calling us to respond maybe you're here today and you're like billy i just don't know what i'm supposed to do i don't know what i'm supposed to say can i prompt you with three things i want to give you three things to pray about the, the first one is this. Maybe you're here today, and this message is exactly what it is. You realize that the council, the tribe that you are hanging with, man, they're not good people. They don't care about your walk with the Lord. They don't care about your relationship with Jesus Christ. All of that means a hill of beans to them. And God's starting to say, hey, you need to put some some distance between you. There's nothing good It's going to cost you in the long run. Hey, can I pray with you? Man, if you're like, that's what I need to do. Hey, man, I want to pray with you. I want to help us walk through this process together, but maybe you're here, and maybe you do have good counsel, maybe you got good friends, but you're a mom or dad, and you got maybe your grandparents today, and you're looking at your son and your daughter, or you're looking at your grandkids, and for the first time, you're starting to see that the counsel that my kids keep is directly related to the path. Seven and five, two boys. And this message has me more fearful and calls me to pray a whole lot more for my two boys. That they come and they find good people and good friends and good mentors that can keep them on the right path. Not just dad, not just mom, but their friendships and relationships. Maybe you want to join me in praying for your kids and your grandkids. Maybe this morning, man, your grandkids, or even your kids, they're not on a good path never hurts to lift them up to the Lord. God, help them find the right path. Maybe you're here this morning and and you don't have good counsel in your life. You still hang out with a rough tribe, but there's some people that have came and just kind of pulled you underneath their wing. They're the people you go to when life starts to fall apart. They're the people you run to. Hey, give me advice, wisdom. They're still hanging out with a little bit of the old, but they're still searching and looking for something new. Hey, if you have those people in your life that give you good counsel, good wisdom, good advice, hey, would you hear me today, you got to tell them thank you. You got to come and say, "Hey, thank you for pouring in for me. Thank you for keeping me on the right path when I was an idiot running the other way." Church family, can I ask, what is God calling you to do today? Every service is about our invitation. Every moment leads up to this one moment where you and I, where we make decisions in our life on how we're going to implement everything that we heard today, especially about the things that God has caused. If I get you to close your eyes and bow your head. Father, I thank you so much for today. Father, I thank you so much for the book of Psalms. Father, I'm so thankful for people who have uh, given me good advice and wisdom and clarity throughout my entire life. And, Father, I just pray right now that, um, that your spirit would be here, your presence would be thick. And, Father, whatever you are calling us to, whatever decision that we have to make today, Father, I just pray that we, would, we wouldn't we would be scared, we wouldn't be worried, we wouldn't be afraid of what anybody else is going to think or say. Father, this is between us and you. So, Father, right now, I pray for the people here today that, man, they've got a bad group of friends. they got a bad, and they're just not having good counsel and wisdom and advice. Father, I pray right now that you give them the courage, the boldness to step away from that. They're going to be mad, they're going to be upset, and they're not going to understand it. Oh, but, Father, they will be better for Father, I pray right now for the people, we think about our kids and our grandkids. Father, we lift them up to you today. Father, surround them with good counsel, good wisdom, and good advice. And Father, if our kids right now aren't on the right path, Father, we give them to you. Father, pray that you'd bring them back to you. And Father, we praise you for the good people you do have in our life that made a big difference. So Father, I pray that during this time, during this invitation, Father, whatever you are working and moving in our heart, Father, we just ask, patience Help us take this step in Jesus name we pray. Amen would you stand with me church family?